Welcome back to Be Great With Nate, the podcast that trains you to master your mind, body, and emotions to help you take complete control of your life. I'm your host, your coach, Nate Ortiz. I'm enthusiastic about teaching you how to manage your health and mindset while you pursue your goals in life. My goal is to clear your confusion regarding the body, mind, and life itself. If you want to learn how to become the best version of yourself, then you're going to want to stick around. What's going on? Welcome back to Be Great With Nate. Super excited that you're here. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how to shift your mindset from a poor mindset to a rich mindset. And what I mean by that is how to go from being someone who's always just making their bills, just making money's kind of scarce in a way for this person. You come from growing up with no money in the household, mom and dad would probably had issues with money. Now you're going through issues with money and how to go for how to change your mindset with that. I'm going to show you the power of not only the mindset, but also shifting your perspective about money. What actually you'll actually earn more money. And this is a true story for those that don't know who I am. I came from poverty. I came from being the brokest of the broke. Right? I lived in a broke, I lived in a ghetto and I was probably, I was probably the brokest one in the ghetto, one of the brokest ones in the ghetto. When I grew up, um, when my parents first had me, my dad didn't have a place to stay. My mom didn't have a place to stay. And I was going from grandma to grandma. And for those that don't know, I am biracial. So one, one weekend I may stay with my white grandma, but my white grandma stood in the projects, which is public housing. And we stood right down Jersey City, the downtown in Holland Garden Projects. You can Google that. Holland Garden Projects. Go on Google Maps and look at that. I was born and raised there. And my uh, my my other grandmother, my black grandmother, she lived in another ghetto on the other side um, of Jersey City. And my parents were so poor they they didn't have a they didn't have the money to buy and get in this apartment. They didn't have the money to provide for me. So at the time I had to stay, my mom was staying with her mom, my dad was staying with her mom, I mean his mom. And then growing up, I was on section eight. We were on um welfare. Uh we used to get these little I remember when I was a kid, we used to also get this little Wix coupons and we used to wait around for those. And I remember we used to get we was able to get like oatmeal with it. Um, we used to get kicks cereal, which is disgusting. So I used to have to throw so much sugar in that cereal. It was like the, the corniest and wackest cereal you can get your hands on when you're a kid. And yeah, we were extremely, extremely poor. And, um, you know, I, I probably didn't get my first free, I mean, a first pair of Nikes until I was probably like 11, 12. I used to go to pay less and hope for my grandmother to buy me a pair of shoes. And I only got one pair of shoes right before the school started and um yeah i was so broke as a kid until i was like 15 16 that i used to actually wear my school uniform on the weekends it's a true story it's really a true story so i want to teach you how i came from this very hard upbringing with money poverty addict uh, addicts right my parents as i told you my parents struggle with addiction my older brother and sister struggle with addiction as well and i was the first one to kind of break that chain and um, I have a podcast talking about how to overcome addictions coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. But, you know, when you grow up, you, you kind of you kind of can uh, create jealousy towards the rich or the wealthy. I remember I used to go to school and 
some of my friends or some of the kids in the neighborhood used to have parents that just walked them to school and they walked them with a little lunch bag. I mean, lunch box, and they always had lunch. And, um, for me, I, I was so poor. I didn't have food to bring from home. Um, we actually used to go to my brother and I used to go to school early and get the breakfast that they offered. And I think they offered that around like seven 15 in the morning. So my brother and I, Brandon, my little brother, I used to, we used to go to the school, sit there, eat the, eat the breakfast that they offered and then eat the lunch during lunchtime. And then the lunch lady knew how broke we were. So she used to meet us in the hallway and she used to give me and my brother all the extra chocolate milks that they had. And that's how we were able to keep up with the calories and how we were able to keep on, um, you know, having some type of food in our stomach. So if you go to my house, my grandmother's house, they all had all these cafeteria from, I mean, uh, chocolate milk from school, right? These little courts. And, um, and then they used to have this little peanut butter jelly that they used to put in a little bag, uh, a plastic bag. And we used to have a lot of those in there too. So, you know, my dad, he had to sell drugs in order for us to really, really be supported with any little bit of money for food. And um, it was a really hard time growing up because my dad became, he had a warrant for his arrest. So anytime my dad was hustling, we used to hide on the street with him and we we weren't able to really be with him as much as I, I would like to growing up. And, you know, my father was an amazing father. He taught me how to use my mind. He never hit me in his life. He only he gave me lectures. He he was the best motivational speaker you can meet in the, in the world. Every drug dealer wanted to be around my dad. Um, my dad was the coolest guy in the projects. My guy was, my dad was one of the most popular guys in Jersey City. And when he spoke, everybody listened. And I wanted to be like that when I grew up. But I wish I could spend a little more time with my dad. Um, we really couldn't because the, the police started to follow me, hoping that I led them to my dad. So we used to have to have code on the phone and speak to my dad in code and meet him in certain locations to get like five, $10. So my whole family split up because of money. And that was another reason why I used to envy or used to, you know, feel some type of way about quote unquote rich people. And cause I used to go, when I got to high school, I met a guy, I went to a private school and I, I had a scholarship to go to private school for sports and I remember I used to come around some of the kids in there that came from wealthy neighborhoods and I used to go to their house after school. And I, I used to kind of like deep down inside, I just wish that was me. And, you know, it was really challenging, you know, when you grow up with no money and, and, and then you grow up and your family splits up because, you know, one person got a lawsuit and didn't share the money or one person got a will money from a will and, you know, your family just stops talking to each other because they're getting greedy over money. That splits the whole family up. So my family, a lot of my family was split up because of money. So when I grew up, I had this thing against against money, right? When you grow up poor, you could kind of start having this mindset of money, like money sacred to you in a certain way because for survival, remember, the more childhood trauma you have like I did or just the more that you were in fight or flight as a child, the more likely you're going to be turning on that root chakra. And that root chakra is primary, uh, primarily focused on safety and security. And one of the first ways we feel safe and secure is, do we have money that's coming in? Can we support ourselves? And then when that's taken care of, then can we feed ourselves, right? So growing up, I had to, I had to 
shift my mindset at a certain point in my life with money. I used to get money and my brother was very good with saving his money. And I really, I really wasn't the best with saving my money because at a certain point I started to see if I want to do something or if I can find an exchange in something, I'll use my money to make that happen and save me time. My little brother was more like, I'll do all the work and I'll give all my time to be able to save my money. And this is a huge shift that you, you, this is how we're going to shift our mindset because I'm going to teach you some things that I really learned. At 24 years old, I graduated college. I mean, around 22, 23, I graduated college. Uh, Goldman Sachs vice president gave me an opportunity to run his gym in Westchester, New York at 24. And Westchester, New York, if you don't know what Westchester, New York is, it's the suburbs outside of New York City. Um, Westchester is a very wealthy um, um, a county, specifically Scarsdale, Larchmont was the area that I was working in, in Mamaroneck. Those are very well-off places. I get the job. I go up there. I was the only brown person in the gym. And, I, and you couldn't really find people that looked like me in that neighborhood walking around. And the first week, I thought for the first time in my life when I graduated college, I started to see what racism was towards me. And what I mean by that is when I was going to when I grew up in Jersey City, I grew up in, if you Google Jersey City or the most diverse cities in the world, Jersey City comes up as one of them. So we're a city right on the same Hudson River of New York City. We're just across from New York City. When I grew up, I had every religion, every every race in front of me, right? We never, ever, ever, you know, disassociated ourselves because of skin or culture. We all got along. And when I grew up and I went to college, I went to an HBCU, which is a historic black um, college, university. So um, it was a Division One football program, but I went to HBCU. So when I graduated college, I went into the quote-unquote real world, and I started to go to different areas. And like for an example, one of the first times I witnessed racism was South Delaware when my my teammate and I, who's six six, uh, he's a little darker than me. Uh, six six. We went to the supermarket to go food shopping on the way back up from Maryland to get some things for our, our apartment, and um, we noticed that when we walked in, it was super empty. There was like four cash registers that turned off their sign from serving us. So we walked up to go scan our food, and they turned the light off right in front of us and said, "I'm closed." I'm like, "You just open," and then the next person did it. The next person did it, and nobody wanted to serve us, and um, it was so bad that my teammate who was my offensive lineman uh, teammate. So when you play football, you got the guys, you got the big guys that block for the quarterback. I'm a tight end. So I used to block, but I used to always, I used to um, also go out and catch, you know, passes as well. Right. So I was a receiver and, and blocker. So the guy who was my teammate was one of my best friends. He was my roommate and we went to battle with each other on the football field and we got in a car and he started crying. And, and he's not no soft kid. He's from Atlantic City. He's from the ghetto as well. He had a rough upbringing like I did. But he felt that's how embarrassed we felt. That's how low we felt. So it was the first time I started experiencing, like, racism towards me. I saw it towards my father when I grew up. But I never really had it towards me. So when I started to get more of that throughout my 20s and I graduated college and I went to Mamaroneck, um, the first week of me being on the job and trying to build this new company, 
I felt like the clients were looking at me that same way. And since my mindset and my belief system went straight there, um, I, I actually played a little more of a victim. I looked for everything to be racist. And you got to be careful because as soon as you shift your mindset and thinking, okay, this, this rich person doesn't like me or this white person doesn't like me or whoever doesn't like you, you believe that for long enough, you'll start to shift your perspective to find everything to prove your point. And that is not healthy. That is not, you got to be wise. When you're wise, you have to see both sides of polarity. You have to see both perspectives. So there was one day um, I graduated college. Like I said, when I graduated college, my, my, my family came down to see the graduation, got back in the car and left. All my friends went to, you know, dinner. They all celebrated. Um, they all, um, you know, received like money or a car or a house or apartment or money for an apartment, man, I graduated with nothing. It was raining. My family went right back in the car and went right back home. We didn't have money to even take me to dinner. And I went to the car and my car actually was leaking oil. So I actually had to put the car with all my stuff in it from, from four years of being in college, put that car on a tow truck. And I actually was in a tow truck all the way back to Newark, New Jersey. So I told you the story on how I sacrificed selling that car for less than what it was to buy a laptop. And when I got to, when I got to New York City and I started to want to work on my dream, I noticed that my mindset had a change about money. Money is a form of energy. And what happens is, is Anytime you take a dollar and you want to do something with your dollar, you need to sit and question yourself before you swipe your card. Is this dollar going to bring me energy in return? Here's what I mean by that. When I go to the supermarket and I purchase my green leafy vegetables, my blueberries, my supplements, my coffee beans, I don't even hesitate to pay for that because I know every single thing that I'm putting in that bag and I'm paying for is going to give me energy so I can make these podcasts, so I can sleep well, so I can get healthy. Now, if I go to the store on my birthday, my 29th birthday, I went to the mall and I needed a pair of shoes. I had a, I had a business um, event coming up, with an entrepreneur business event. And I went to this one store and they had the Yeezys, right? Which are Kanye West's shoes. They're pretty expensive. And I went in and I looked at the Yeezys and I used to say to myself when I was so broke, I'm like, yo, one day I'm going to buy me a pair of Yeezys. I picked up the pair of shoes and then I, I, I asked the guy, how much are these? And he goes, they're $350. I said, okay. He goes, but look, if you, if you buy two, I'll give it to you two for 500. I'm like, okay. So I sat there for like 20 minutes. I tried the shoe on, but I just sat there staring at the shoe for 20 minutes. I decided to put the shoe back and say, okay, no, I'm fine. Thank you. My girlfriend said, why, babe? You got the money. You always wanted a pair. Why don't you, why don't you buy a pair? And I said, two things. Number one. I'm paying for the shoe. It's not an investment. It's a payment. 
That's not an investment. It's a payment. Number two, if I purchase a shoe like that, I happen to look like every successful drug dealer from my neighborhood. All the success, that's why I want to, that's why I want to pair. When you grow up and you're in the hood, all the drug dealers got the Yeezys on, the Jordans on. They got all those things. And I wanted it because one day when I used to look at them, like, yo, I want those. And I'm that's not who I am. In my mind, I'm a wealthy minority. And I want to set an example on you can make a pair of Puma shoes for $60 look like they're a pair of Yeezys. Or you can make a pair of Calvin Klein shoes swagged out. I don't need Yeezys to swag me out. I'll swag out any other shoe. So I left that store. We went into Macy's. And I found a nice pair of Calvin Klein shoes that were on sale that went perfectly with the outfit I wanted to wear. It was $60. I took out my card. I purchased it. It was an investment. But what I'm trying to teach you here is the mindset behind when you spend your money. Every time I spend my money, I always think about, is this going to bring me something in return? So I went to, in 2000, when I was uh, 2017, 2018, I, I, I got that job at, in Westchester. And what I had to do is I started to study these wealthy people. I studied the cars they drove. I studied, the, I studied everything from head to toe. They dressed in cloud shoes. They had Lululemon on. They used an Amex card to pay for their packages to work with me. They all drove a luxury car. The, uh, most of the mothers were housewives. Most of the, the fathers couldn't train unless it was before 7 o'clock or after 4 p.m. They all had a golden doodle. Some like a golden doodle, like one of those doodle mixes. When wealthy or rich people say that they're going to, when they make a meeting to meet up with you, they do not miss their appointments. They don't miss. If they say they're going to go on lunch with you and it's raining out and you hope that they cancel on you, they're not canceling. They're showing up. So you can rely on them. They usually are very, um, they're all about getting into the community. You can find them walking around the neighborhoods during the afternoon. I studied them. I studied them. One of the ways that you shift your mindset from being a poor mindset to a rich mindset is that you have to actually use self-image as if you are rich already. So I started acting like I was rich. So what did I do? When I got my paychecks, I went to Lululemon. I actually became an affiliate for Lululemon. Brought Lululemon. My brother's like, you're going to buy a hundred pair I mean, $100 worth of just for one pair of uh, pants? I said, yes. He said, you're going to pay $150 for these shoes? I said, yes. Then I ordered a custom-made work shirt for work. And my manager's like, no, no, no. You should get Steve, the guy who owns the gym, to pay for it. I said, Steve, he's not willing to give me the money for it. I'll pay for it because I'm not paying for it. It's an investment. So when I went to work, I looked just like them, but I was their coach. When I walked into their, their, their neighborhood, 
Some of them wanted house calls to work out. When I walked into the neighborhood and they introduced me to someone else in the neighborhood, I dressed just like you guys. I'm one of you. I knew going to a certain restaurant for lunch each week, I would run into one of my clients with one of their friends. So I made lunch appointments at one of these places, a nice salad place. And I always ran into them with one of their friends. And I usually always get recommended or referrals. I shifted my mind instead of saying, oh my God, $20 for a salad, that's too much. No, I said, this is an investment. When I go here, I have the opportunity to market myself. When I pay for these clothes, I'm showing, I'm showing people, I'm showing the people I want to work with that I'm one of them. So you have to shift your mindset and then, and, 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 and you can't, the, you can easily create jealousy towards people who have money or a shadow of projecting your insecurities of you being broke onto them, right? Oh my God, these rich people. Oh my God, I can't stand these rich people. Whatever the case may be. Let me tell you something. Um, money ha is energy. So for an example, if a person has money, instead of judging them like, oh my God, I would try to figure out, I'll do two things. Number one, what did you do to earn money? What information do you know that I don't know of? And that's one of the things that I started to run into. And you know what I found out? Most of the wealthy people with their luxury cars, they're actually, those cars are under their business and their business pays for those cars. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Most of the, they know, they know how to take advantage or utilize the system that the country has put in place to support their business and, and their business and supporting the economy. When I came from, man, I ain't listened to all that. You're a scammer. Pay your taxes. Do this, do that. It was a lot of projection of insecurity coming out. Until I closed my mouth one day and said, this ain't working. I got to learn what you know. I got to know what you know. Wealthy people or rich people do not have... Their word is everything. How you do anything is how you do everything is what I like to tell my clients. These clients never missed a day in the gym. These clients never missed a payment from me. These clients gave their all when they came to train. You see, when I graduated college, I was like a rebel at first. And I'm like, I ain't working in no nice neighborhood. I'm working in the ghetto. I went on Instagram. I told everybody on Instagram, I'm working in the ghetto. Who wants to have personal training? I'll train you for 20 bucks. Every person, 90% 90, 90 of the people that I worked with that I was trying to help in Jersey City and in Washington Heights and New York City screwed me over. They screwed me over. They promised to pay my invoice. They never paid and disappeared on me. Happened so many times. I show up to train them. They don't show. They don't text me the next day. Oh, sorry about yesterday. I couldn't make it. Please don't charge me. The worst clients that I've ever had came from the ghetto. <clears throat> I had some good ones, but I had so much passion that I wanted to help people where I was from. And most of them just took advantage of me. 
I couldn't count on them to run a business. But how you do anything is how you do everything. When I went to Westchester, I saw how powerful it was to have a community of people that not only supported the business, but how they were able to support the business. These people worked hard. Hard. They didn't make excuses. When they said they're going to lunch, they're going to lunch. When they said they're going to do something, they do it. And it's just, the, it's the mindset more than anything. The mindset, that energy that you, that they put out, they get back in return. And that energy can be connections with people that, that, that can help you, in, uh, you know, improve your career. That connections can be in a form of good health and, and, and money. When you think about money in 2017, 2018, I started to think about money as how can I, am I paying or am I investing? And then what I started to do is I started to see if I put a little more money behind certain things, I got better return. Here's an example. You hire cleaning people to come to your house. You notice that they're only $15 an hour. They do a terrible job. Then you notice there's another cleaning people for $25 an hour. They do a perfect job. But you may be reclined to want to do the $15 an hour because it's $10 difference. But what you're not seeing is the people who do it right need an exchange for their energy at a certain level compared that is more than the $15 an hour because they do it right. So anytime I spend my money, I always go and, and spend it on or invest it into things that I know that it's going to get done right. When I, when I utilize Apple, um, you know, uh, I have an Apple phone, Apple, a laptop, Apple. I, in my experience, I find that everything that I'm looking for to be done right, to do my editing, to do things, Apple never gave me a problem. So they continue to get my business, even though now they're selling phones with no charges, which don't make sense to me, but I still get the job done. When you start to, so one thing that I started to do is instead of looking at, I started, I started as I got better at investing into myself to find a way to, to make money work for me as far as, okay, I'm going to take my money and go get a certification. Is this certification helping or hurting my dream? Is this an investment or payment? It's an investment. Why? Because the more certifications I got, the more knowledge I got, the more coaching skills I build, the more I was able to help people. Number one. Number two, I started to see the importance of saving my time for money. So here's what I mean. Today, if I edit videos all week, it probably takes me five to six hours of editing. So instead of me doing it, I hire somebody to do it for me. Now, I can save that money if I was in scarcity of like, oh, I saved that money. Oh, you should just save that. No. Here's what I do with clients. How much do you make an hour? So right now, I want you to think, and I talked about this in the last podcast. What is your self-worth? How much do you make an hour? Take whatever you make an hour, write it down on a piece of paper. Then start to see anytime you need help with something, if you need people, for an example, if you're a person that, you know, has to need, you know, clean the house. Is it your four hours of your time 
worth more than four hours of hiring a cleaning team? If it is, then it may be smart to invest in getting a cleaning team. Or if you're trying to build something, if I'm trying to build Be Great with Nate, I'll hire out or I will invest into things that help me build this. For an example, I helped a couple, I mean, I hired a couple people to do my landing pages because I just was so busy. I hired some people to do my um, my slideshows for some workshops and, and, and retreats that I had. I hired, I hired somebody to do my business operations. Anytime we have customer service issues or we have a client that we're booking to come into town, I have someone who handles all that communication for me. Why? Because I would rather hire them than give my time because the more time that I have, the more you can, I can build. The more time you have, the more you can build. The more you can build. The more you can build, the more you can get back in return. I told you about the 8, 8, and 8 podcast already. What are you doing with your time? On the remaining, on the remaining eight hours, what you're going to notice is when you start building your skill, start building your skill, you're going to start noticing like, oh, my God, I should have been doing this a long time ago, right? And then you're going to start thinking about ways on how you can actually get paid for that skill. So when it's time for you to do something that takes you away from building and earning, you're going to start getting frustrated. So what you need to start doing is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can I hire somebody or invest into somebody to help me with this situation? So when I was in Westchester, the gym became very popular. I grew it. Um, there was only two trainers in there. The gym was failing. They brought me in. I made it extremely popular. I started doing uh, uh, fitness classes. I was always 100% booked. People were getting great results with me. But I got to the point where I started to become even more, you know, control of my mind with money that I didn't see it worth owning the gym. So the guy was trying to sell me the gym. I just didn't see it. I didn't see it being an investment. I saw it being a payment. In order for me to really make money, I still have to work 40 hours. And I said, nah, because you can't trust, you know, trainers to show up and do their job all the time. So I'm like, nah. So I had to invest in myself to then get a LLC on the side. I had to invest in myself to get equipment to go into New York City to work with clients. And I did that on the day off of, that I had from the gym. So I started going to the city on my day off. I invested it to the, to, the, uh, to the stuff that I need to accept payments. I invested into Equinox because I would have sometimes two to three hour gaps in between clients. So I invested into Equinox membership was like $250 and people thought I was crazy. But you understand I have an office in there. They have like a, a place that you could do all your work. I have showers. I have a gym. I have the spa room. I have everything I need in one place so I don't have to sit in Starbucks for two hours waiting for my next client. That's an investment. Then I started to build it to the point where I took my money and I invested into building my own gym in my garage in LA. Then I took my money and I invested it into, um, you know, optimizing my website. And then all that paid off. Then I took that money and I brought camera equipment, better camera equipment, easier ways to record podcasts. And you keep, so the mindset, take your money and use it. Is it investing or paying? And as soon as you start shifting on how to invest into things that make yourself better, makes you start off by paying for food that makes you feel better first. Then continue to think about, okay, I can go to work. If I just pay for the toll, it's $2. Yeah, but I save 20 minutes of my time that I can never get back. That's an investment. Start off with small things like that first. 
and then start to build up on it. And what you're going to start seeing is the more that you see the results from applying this, this knowledge, the more motivated you're going to want to become to continue to grow it and take bigger risk with your investments. Okay. So I finished with this in the last year, I came back to Jersey and I brought my dream house. My family thought the house was too big for me and my girlfriend just to live here. They're like, this is a huge house and it's expensive. Why don't you guys just get something like this? And I said, no, because in my mind, I, I, I brought this house as an investment. I brought it in a neighborhood that's 20 minutes, a train ride from New York City. I brought it in a neighborhood. It's a brand new constructed house. And I brought it with the intention of building my business in there. For an example, I have an office that I record podcasts. Then I have a gym. I have a full gym in, in my house. Then when clients fly in, and some, some of the celebrity clients from LA, they come and stay with me. I got a room upstairs with its own bathroom. So... Some of the, I, I, I sell VIP packages where people could fly in and I work with them for three days and do a heavy reset to the subconscious mind with nutrition, movement, and, and uh, emotions. So when I work with my clients, I got three VIPs uh, uh, in the last, um, in, within a month. So a VIP flies in on a Thursday and then we, we have a driver for them. We, we, um, we take care of everything for them but we do it, we do eight hours of coaching, right? So we got uh, a luxury car with a lot of room in the back that they're able to be chauffeured around. We made connections where if they're not comfortable staying here, they can stay in a nice hotel right on the Hudson River with a view of the Freedom Tower and, and Empire State Building, right? We give them the highest level of, of service, but I have a screen that I use to do all my presentations with them. I have everything I need in my house. My assistant lives here. So he saves me. I don't do, if we need water to refill in the house, I don't pay for, I don't, I mean, I pay for it, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going. If we need a reset of food in the house, I'm not going. If we need dog food, I'm not going. I save myself about 15 hours a week from video editing and responsibilities in my house. My assistant does all that. He has his own room upstairs with his own bathroom on the other side of the house. I have so much time now that I'm able to invest it back into my business, back into my dream. And we have, we have VIP clients that, or clients that fly in to come work with me here that the house I'm able to do business in a house and you're, and you can take a nap on the other side of the house and not even know that I'm working. It was an investment. The house was going to operate my business, help me operate my business. We have a filming room upstairs for Haskiri, her, um, her auditions. Cause I, you know, she's an actress. So we have auditions with a camera up there, green screen, everything. So there's, we barely even leave the house. This house is a office building in a way. Then we have sections in the house that is so comforting that you can rest and chill and things of that nature. So I say all that to say that was an investment. I brought my house with the same mindset. What do you, what can you start to invest in instead of spending? Start thinking about the things you spend on. Now, while I invested all that, I can tell you all the things I didn't spend money on. And it's a lot. 
you would have thought sometimes that I didn't have money because I don't own, I mean, I, for the last, what, three, four months, I need a cologne and I keep telling myself I got to go get cologne. I lost my earring. I needed earrings. They're little things like that, but they're not urgent to me. I don't really need those things in order for to get a return on my investment. Those are just little extra things. I have the same book bag that I had for four years. I have the same wallet for the last five years. I'm not going to buy another wallet. It's just, or a Louis, another Louis Vuitton wallet. I was gifted a Louis Vuitton wallet, but I'm not going to just go buy another one. I'm not going to buy a Rolex right now. It's not an investment for me. Can I buy those things? Yeah, but they're just not an investment for me right now. Payment versus investing. When you start to understand what you're investing in that gives you return on your energy with people, energy, money, and health, and a peaceful mindset, then you'll start to make a shift from, you'll start to understand what you're paying for. When you pay for something, you're actually not getting any return on your investment. Sometimes it actually takes more energy out of you. Start to make the difference on what are you doing? Start to, start to, and then start to transfer that over. Start shifting your mindset. And as soon as you start to shift your mindset with that, then you start having more energy or returning your energy. Then you get more motivated to want to grow. And then it becomes a beautiful cycle for you. There's a huge difference between when you take your dollar out, when you take your card out, are you investing or are you spending? The more you invest, the more you, you, Recycle energy back into yourself to continue to grow. Peace. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope the show gave you valuable information. If you did, take a screenshot, post it on social media, like your Instagram story or someone in your social and tag me. I will definitely get back to you. I really appreciate the love. Or you can easily just leave a rating or a review if you have the time. You don't understand how much those little things right there help me push this show to get more people like you to listen. If you want more Be Great With Nate, you can head over to BeGreatWithNate.com and I'll meet you there. Until next time, peace.